Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Tom Kemp, it's wonderful to have you on It's TechTastic. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for joining. Glad to be here. You discuss containing big tech, the the risks of all the power of the world and all the knowledge and information that is shared via our new world order being mostly digital, uh, being in just a few hands is being detrimental to society. And this audience is very much like, this is, it's tech-tastic. We are very much tech forward and a lot of entrepreneurs. So there's a love-hate relationship with us and big tech, right? A lot of us have worked for Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, you know, the, the big players. And so this should be a very interesting dialogue between the two of us uh, on this. I personally, I've never worked for any one of the big tech players. I've actually kept my career at a distance from it. I was at a company that was acquired by AT&T and they were a surprisingly large tech player when it came to data and yeah. you know the data marketplace that they've built out. It was only about six months after we were acquired that I found something else to be doing with my time. But mm-hmm. it is an interesting problem and it's becoming more acute every day. Absolutely, and that was part of the motivation to, to write the book, So, which is, hey, there's a lot of goodness, but we don't have any regulations, right? We don't actually, you know, it's like the auto industry 50, 60, 70 years ago. We don't have airbags. <laughs> we, we don't have speed limits, right? We put the babies in our lap as we drive 80 miles per hour uh, without a seatbelt. Yeah, and the problem that we're gonna run into with relying on something like uh, the government to come in and regulate it is that the speed at which a democracy can move is so much slower than the speed at which innovation and technology can move. Yes, certainly that's a concern, but at the same time, we haven't done anything, right? I mean, so at some point there needs to be some government regulation because we don't have a federal privacy law here. And so the last major piece of legislation was, I don't know, HIPAA, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, that just did sector-specific privacy-related stuff in the context of transferring data. And the reality is, is that those laws were drafted and passed pre-iPhone, pre-Google, pre-Meta, et cetera. And so we're now in a situation that your watch has just as much healthcare information about you as your doctor does, right? Uh, In terms of, you know, potentially sensitive information that may detect that you have a disease or you're pregnant or whatevs, right? I agree that we don't want to stifle innovation and it's going to be hard to keep up but at least we need some, we don't even have a floor. I'm not talking about creating a ceiling here where the technology bumps into. I'm really talking about the need for some form of a floor. So in Europe, they did the GDPR and then uh, there was the e-privacy restriction. I can't remember what that one was called. There was another law that followed on GDPR shortly thereafter. uh, And they were trying to get in front of this problem, largely in response to what was happening in the ad tech economy, where you became the product that was being sold. That accelerated massively with a lot of the open markets disappearing and it becoming centralized in just a few, Google namely. 
So it became something that, like, in, at least in Europe, they were paying attention to about the, the privacy piece of it. But even that today is largely outdated to your point because, you know, the iPhone and your watch actually have more information than your doctor could even hope to have. It has like your location, how many steps you took, your heart rate, your blood pressure, every moment of every day, if you're wearing the thing all the time. That, that itself can be dangerous if it got into the wrong hands or it can be used by another unregulated industry, the, the US drug company and the way that they're able to market and sell to people, push the product out. There's a lot of harm that can be done to people through that. So is your suggestion like with a floor, what would that look like? How What would a floor in this world look like? Well, first of all, the word privacy is not in the US Constitution, right? And we do not have a federal privacy law. So what I hope for, and I talk about in my book containing big tech, is that there should be a set of core rights that we have. We should have the right to know what's being collected about us. We should have the right to say no to the selling and sharing of our data. We should have the right to delete our data, the right to be left alone, so to speak. Um, so we should have some basic rights rights associated with our data because what's going to happen moving forward is you know people are are all crazy about well what about copyrighted material going into ai <laughs> and being blended together and now we're in a situation where basically my personal information is kind of my copyright right my face and all that stuff do i want yeah. my face to be in a ai generated movie which or in the case of a, an actress you know deep fake pornography right? I mean, so there should be some basic rights about the data that directly identifies us, especially biometric data, including, you know, genome, DNA, you know, other aspects that can be used to identify ourselves. So I, I think we just need it to be in a situation where we need to have some basic rights that allow for enforcement and give us the ability to know, say no, and have some safeguards associated with the data to expect businesses to actually protect the data. What you're proposing then is a constitutional amendment for privacy. No, I'm not actually. I mean, even though California actually made a constitutional amendment to its constitution in 1972, which turned out to be very forward thinking. The fact is, is that we've passed HIPAA, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, COPA for kids, FERPA. You can just kind of go down the whole list that in specific sectors, and, and those have been found to be constitutional. Even the FDC's do not call registry has been found to be constitutionally protected as well. And so I don't think we need to change the constitution. I just think simply that instead of having sectoral focused laws, we need a federal privacy law that at least, again, sets the floor doesn't provide a ceiling and allows individual states to be what Brandeis calls the laboratory of democracy to be able to embrace and extend and provide additional capabilities. The reality is, is that the vast majority of states will be perfectly happy with the floor that's set at a federal level, but there could be some innovative states, namely California, that may go over and beyond that. And that's benefited society. If you look at consumer protection and automobile emissions, I think people if you're environmentally focused, are glad that California can set the standard for auto emissions. And people have benefited from that in terms of the consumer protections that uh, have been put forth at the state level. So I think that's the perfect mix of having a federal floor and with the ability for states to innovate to keep up with the change in technology. And it's, look, 
with AI, it's only going to get worse, right? Considerably, yeah. To your point earlier about uh, using your face for deep fakes and things of that nature, like anything that's not going to have a repercussion of the business that's actually leveraging it to do some action you don't want done. Uh, if you can't protect your likeness, you can't protect your genes, if those become publicly available for people to go and do something, they could target you individually on the most gross sci-fi version of the future, like individual genes to go after individual populations of people. Like there's all kinds of things that could be done just by having that information out there and making it so it can't be protected. It's not about you. But the what I saw within the ad tech industry was the before GDPR, and that actually radically transformed how we had to behave was we just thought of every individual as part of a package that we were going to put together and sell to somebody else and we would mix and match you you were the you were the product so you might be tom a, a golfer that habitual golfer once a week would go out and play and for nike that's who you'd be known as because they cared about that aspect of it but for a drug company it might be that you were of a certain age gender location right and so we would target you that way and when gdpr came out we had to rethink all of that and, and this was a good thing i don't believe that ai or anything else any of the big tech companies should have free reign over our personal information in fact outside the fact of having a tech podcast and being a ceo of an ai company mm -hmm. i'm fairly largely a luddite i live on an island in the middle of the northwest Pacific coast of the United States where I, there's not even a cell signal in my house. Like I, I try to be as far away from it as I can, partially because I see that. I already see what was there a decade ago. I know where that has to be going and I don't want to be part of it. But I, I also don't see a way out. This is the big tech question I have for you. Part of the problem is that even if the federal government or even the states acted fast enough, the companies that are doing this today are so large and global in their impact and have such an economic impact that them even threatening to pull out of a region or to have some action is usually enough to stop there from being any momentum on it. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But the first thing is, <laughs> is that, yes, historically, we made a pact with the large tech companies whose business models advertising in which we would enter their walled gardens, we would allow them to mine our data, and then they would serve us behavioral-based advertising, right? And that resulted in us seeing ads, like if we were looking for red shoes, you know, that red shoe ad would follow us around everywhere for the next month or two, right? The problem is, is that starting five, six, seven, eight years ago, that people discovered, wait a minute, if I can target young single women who have babies and they want economically priced diapers, that people figured out, well, for a rental unit, I do not want a young single woman with babies or for an employment opportunity. So they kind of flipped that model around and then mm -hmm. started excluding people from economic opportunities, rentals, etc. And in fact, both Meta and Google were found guilty of facilitating in their advertising systems the exclusion and discrimination of people as well. And then people also discovered that this incredible amount, you talked about golfer, but what if the golfer has diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. And so therefore people now have insight into someone that they may not want to share 
you know, especially if it's collected by a data broker, if you're a hiring manager, you can get a background check or report, and that would include the fact that this person's a diabetic. You may say, oh, I, I really don't want to hire this person because he may have had cancer or it's assumed that he had cancer or inferred that he had cancer. But then now we're in this post Dobbs world where things that were completely legal before in all 50 states are now increasingly in various states being illegal. And we now have counties in Texas saying that it's illegal to use our roads to drive to get an abortion. We have the Alabama attorney general saying, I will track you down if you go out of state and get an abortion. How do you get that information? Well, you get the information from the precise geolocation of individuals. You take a look at you know abortion clinics across the border, and then you map it back to whether or not these individuals that visited it have bed downs in your state, et cetera, and you go after people. Yeah. And then I haven't even talked about kids yet. Is it healthy in society to completely track kids? And then, of course, you now have algorithmic amplification, so it's very easy for kids. They watch a video with some violence, and all of a sudden, all the videos that they have right there. If someone was tracking the kids in a physical world like they do in online, they would be arrested for stalking. So I'm not against behavioral advertising. I'm against behavioral advertising for children. And I'm also against behavioral advertising that leverages sensitive personal data, including health, ethnicity, et cetera, that could be used in a traditional discriminatory. I don't mind like if I'm in Northern California and I'm being targeted for plumbing ads for people in the Bay Area, no problem. But I, I don't want to have it be inferred that I have diabetes and people are serving me advertisements about diabetes or adult diapers or anything that could be about my personal you know, situation as well. The reality is, is that there is just too much data being collected because people think that they can always eventually monetize this data and the data reflects us. And unfortunately, there's people in the world that will look to use the data in negative ways that can be weaponized against us. One of the things that happened, I don't even remember the moment it happened, but I remember when I recognized it. So it was in the middle of the ad tech ecosystem and, and I despised it. It's one of the reasons I was there. You can't fix something that you are removed from. You need to get involved is what I thought at the time. And so I jumped in with both feet and tried to make it something that I considered ethically sound. The problem that we kept running into was that the consumer wants everything for free because they've been given it free for so long now that the entire economic model became about you, the consumer. If I wanted to recoup my investment of giving you whatever the hell I was giving you, if I was giving you information in the form of news, the only way I had to recoup it was via advertising and advertisers want to get the most bang for their buck, which means I'm going to give them more and more and more so that they can do better targeting, etc. Your point, though, was it was very easy to use that for negative. Your um, statement about like hiring. If I was to do a background check on an individual and find out before I'd even talk to them, I could determine based on their browsing behavior and a bunch of other stuff, quite a bit about them that they might not even know themselves. For example, we ran a test to determine uh, whether or not a young person was pregnant, a young woman was pregnant. And we were more accurate at determining that than if we asked them if they believed they were pregnant. So we knew before they did is what it came to be. What if the person that was running that test, now I can just run a campaign and say, I want to limit this by pregnant women. I could get the data back and say, okay, now I want to limit it by this geography. I want it to be in this city. 
oh, I only want it to be, you know, da, da, da. you could you could get it down to not an individual, but to a good sample size that you could be able to determine they were likely to be pregnant, for example. But that was just ads. That was just in that ecosystem. I can buy that data on the open market and I can use it for whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And it won't have PII and it's not allowed to, but I can do that on the other side. I can use other things to determine, ah, I can connect you to that data because of this one event that happened in the past or because of this action you're taking now. So even though we've tried to protect PII, it's almost impossible to do because there's just so much data flowing around. Part of that is activity. That activity allows me to connect you back up to that profile, which has medical records, et cetera. So the, the tech companies, they're trying to sell their advertising at a premium and they say, hey, we have so much data insight that we can so micro-target people, et cetera. The irony is, is that when like misinformation or disinformation appears on their platform, they're like, oh, we don't have any influence on these people, right? So they talk to the advertisers that they have incredible amounts of influence, but then when bad societal things happen with kids, teens, people getting into rabbit holes of conspiracy theories, we have nothing to do with that. We can't influence people as well. So they're trying to have it both ways. But the other point I want to make is, is that when Google started, they had ads on the side based on the context of what you're searching. Yep. For hundreds of years, we've had contextual advertising. Like if I opened up the sports section or the travel section, it would have ads for exotic places, et cetera. But the tech companies have so convinced people that we have to collect all this data right there that at some point we need to say is like, hey, we need to put some guardrails. And if the tech companies would have constructive knowledge that this person is a kid, they should say, I'm not going to collect this information because that's just not good. It can lead to bad things happening. Same thing with limiting, you know, sensitive medical information about people. They could do that, right? In fact, Google said that they would delete information about people visiting abortion clinics after the Dobbs decision, right? Yeah. And so in my book, I said, okay, Three months after they made this big announcement, I actually tested to see that was the case. The answer is no, but they could do it, but they didn't implement it or they didn't properly implement it. And that made news with The Guardian. I was interviewed. And then six months later, The Washington Post did another look at this and they said Google's still not doing it. So if they really wanted to do this, which is say, you know, people are really concerned about reproductive health. People are really concerned about kids. They could do that and they could move to more contextual or behavioral instead of doing precise geolocation, move it out to a zip code as opposed to a street address. And instead of having to target me for a specific medical condition that I may have that may be highly sensitive to not do that. If I have a cold, fine. I could see ads for Kleenex boxes. But if I have cancer, mm, that could actually, that may not be cool. But they don't even really know that I have cancer. They just know that I visited a site involving cancer. And maybe I'm researching that because maybe a, a relative has it as well. So the European Union just passed the Digital Services Act and the Digital Marketing Act, and they just said in those laws that you cannot target kids with behavioral advertising. And they are going to implement that. They said, yep, we're going to implement this, et cetera, because they have to do business in Europe. So why can't they do that in the U.S. as well? 
That is exactly the argument I've used against the pushback in the big tech companies here. They're like, well, GDPR, when that happened, um, we have to comply with it there. Now we're going to have to make all these adjustments just so we can do business in Europe. It's like, no, make them globally. And then it's not like you have to worry about targeting individuals in Europe. This is just the right thing to be doing. Do the right thing. Tom, it was a pleasure having you on. We're out of time. Um, I want to give you a moment to say, like, if somebody wants to know more, if they want to get involved or if they want to contact you, how would they do that? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. This was a great conversation. Um, and so I am the author of this book called Containing Big Tech. So you can just go directly to containingbigtech.com. It'll take you to a web page with the book. Or if you want to learn more about these tech policy issues and issues regarding privacy and AI, I have a pretty active blog on tomkemp.ai, where I also have more information about my book as well. So I definitely welcome people checking out the book or visiting my website. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.